I'm Aysan, and this was supposed to be the City losing to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final squad rotation, what the hell happened podcast. Um, as it happens, it's going to be a European Super League stroke what the hell happened against Chelsea podcast. Joining me to try and make sense of the performance on Saturday and firstly the announcement yesterday or this morning or last night about the Super League. I'm joined by Stefan. Morning Stefan. Hi, how are you doing? Pretty good, how are you? Uh, yeah, not bad. I mean, you know, it's a little bit... Uh... Weekend was a bit disappointing, uh, and this is interesting, and uh, yeah, well, you know, okay. So, look, I, I'm going to start with, I've watched your timeline in the last 24 hours, and I kind of feel like you've been one, I don't want to say one step ahead, but just in terms of how this played out in the last 24 hours, let's go back to when this story first broke, which was yesterday afternoon. Um, me and you had some conversations on text, but just very quickly, run me through your first thoughts when you saw what was breaking. So the key is that it's real mm-hmm. and that it's not, um, they're not playing. This isn't a kind of, oh, you know, we'll just test the water and, you know, We'll see where we get to and we'll have a big negotiation. All, everything will just go back to normal, but we'll get a bit more cash. Uh-uh. That's not what this is. This is big. This is, uh, we know exactly what we're doing as the big, you know, whoever the, the, the 12. We, as in the big 12, we know exactly what we're doing. We gamed it all out. We've thought about all the negatives. We don't care about what the fans say. We don't care what the media says. We don't care that there's going to be a whole load of legal wrangling about all sorts of aspects to it. We're up for it. Uh, we're going for it. And we'll see how it all lands. No certainty, but this is real. And this is not going away in any sort of simple, quick negotiation between a couple of guys on uh, from, from from the 12. This mm. is... This is really, really major. Um, so there's no way that this is just a negotiating ploy with UEFA. Like this is what? the end game, isn't it? It's not a. It's not that there's another end game that they're trying to get to. No, I don't think so. I think I think what's probably happened in the background is there's been multiple calling of bluff and threats, and and really they've just lost. I don't mean this to be sympathetic to the 12, but they've lost patience with the process Mm. and they don't want to play that game anymore. And particularly driven largely by the Americans, they look at it and go, we've got these clubs here. We gave them the chance to regulate the cost side of things with FFP and other sorts of controls. Uh, UEFA failed on that. As far as we're concerned, we being the 12, not city, we being the 12, they failed. So they've left us exposed to escalating costs uh, such that we as the 12 can't make any money. And we're not used to that as sports owners. As sports owners, particularly in the US, we're used to effectively an economic fix where we get 
a nice amount of recurring profit on a year-by-year basis, which means that not only are the clubs interesting assets to own as a toy, but also economically very interesting uh, because they make money and they're Mm. profitable and their value increases over time. And that, in simple terms, is where they're trying to get to. And that's not not something that can be negotiated out with UEFA right now. Mm. Um, I'll tell you where the... Do you want me to start where where the biggest biggest possible... Um, and the the biggest issue is it? Yes, right. Please. You're talking about you're talking about renegotiation of a distribution of cash initially, okay. right? So you've got to separate the short term and the long term. The short term is all about who shares the amount of uh, uh, broadcast and sponsor revenue from the biggest competitions between between everybody mm-hmm. today. That total gross number isn't going up materially right now, okay? So it's all about how it gets shared out. It's not about the pot getting bigger. It's just about how much of it goes to the biggest clubs. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the longer term, the medium term and the longer term, which is much bigger than anything that we've seen ever before in the game. That's all about the opportunity to turn the Super League, and it's not the European Super League. It's nothing to do with Europe aside from the time zone. It's a Super League in terms of the biggest clubs in the world. It's effectively an NFL of soccer, football, however you want to describe it. Those opportunities are now opportunities that combine with things like the personality of the sports stars, the value of the clips, NFTs, fantasy football, Mm. betting, all of this stuff is coming together into some a a kind of an economic model which is just a million miles away from neon, uh, neon and and UEFA. You know, this is this is much more Silicon Valley than it is the Swiss mountains. You know, this is just a different world. And and the scale of the opportunity for those owners, as they see it, is 10, 20, 30x. And that's that's why this can't easily be solved, because they're just not looking at it in the same way. The American owners are looking at it, and, and frankly, the non-American owners, but the owners are looking at it as a way that they can increase the value of their investments by multiples, whilst we're all just sat there watching football and mm. the the two things are just not the same how do we uh, i'm interested in uh city so obviously um city uh have briefed on some level to somebody that they were i don't want to say strong-armed into this but they're letting it be known that they didn't need to do this. They didn't mm. need the cash, but yeah. that they also couldn't be left on the outside of the tent if yeah. the thing itself was going to go well, ahead. I, do you buy I com- that? Yeah, I completely agree with them. I mean, you know, this is not going to make me a popular in terms of having this conversation, but let's let's break it down, right? City have started a business model 
that you may believe is sports washing or you may believe is something broader. In my personal opinion, it's something much broader than sports washing. Whilst there might be an element of PR in the investment, the scale of the uh, of the project from a financial side, the partners that they've chosen in people like Silver Lake show that actually this isn't just about PR of uh, a, a human rights uh, kind of discussions. This is about building a business of uh, of, of real value and and at a multiple of what's been invested. Um, such that they become one of the leading kind of, uh, you know, and I apologize for some of the kind of language, but one of the leading sports franchises in the world. Mm. That's the reality. I mean, that's the language they talk. It's not about, you know, Manchester. It's not about Manchester City. It's just much bigger than that. Now, the City group doesn't have a time scale of one two three four years they don't care mm. it's not important to them that they get their return very quickly there might be certain investments that they make where they prefer to get a quick return but they don't really care because it's just not the game they're in you know a 20 year 30 year time horizon doesn't scare them now that's not probably the same for some of the other owners who are always on the lookout to see whether they can maximize their rates of return and, and exit. And that's why you've had people like uh, the Henry um, Werner FSG have been looking to do a deal recently, taking some, um, you know, looking to potentially sell the business into a, an American listing mm-hmm. because if they get the right price, they're sellers. Yeah. So, so they're in a rush. Spurs, they're in a rush in a different way. Spurs are basically insolvent. I mean, you know, they'd argue all day long that they're not, that they can, you know, find a way around the COVID situation and refinance and all of this stuff. And yeah, they can refinance, but they're, they're effectively insolvent. So what they're looking to do is to is to secure the value of their investment within Tottenham Hotspur and maximize it in the best way that they can. Well, they're in a hurry to do that. That's got to happen today. You know, at the moment, they've got to pay back something like 150 million quid of COVID financing to the Bank of England. Arsenal have got to pay back 120 million. Both of these are due for repayment next month. This is not easy money to find. And we'll come on to talk about why this is a much bigger issue for the game, because COVID is a complete game changer as as far as this is concerned. Um, But they're in a hurry and they want their return. And so what you've ended up with, I think, reading between the lines, is that the clubs, that the five um, and the others have said, it's, we've, we've, we've called UEFA's bluff numerous times. We've been round and round the houses. They're never going to bow to what we want. We're never going to get the slice we want. We're never going to get the control of media rights that we want. Mm. We're never going to be free to sell our clips as NFTs because UEFA don't even understand what this means, etc., etc., Enough's enough. Let's go for it. And now's the time to do it. And they've all sort of rolled in, whether they've caved in, whether they've been complicit, whether they've been central to it, who knows. But the bottom line is five of them are up for it. When five of the Premier League teams are up for it, and then, you know, seven other major European clubs are up for it. And and by the way, I think also Bayern and PSG, just that they're not prepared to say it yet. Definitely. 
when everybody's they're in that position, and particularly because five are in the Premier League, City have no choice. Because game it out the other way around. So game out City going, oh, well, we don't believe that this is right for the future of the game. Which, by the way, overall, they kind of do believe it is right for the future of the game because City do believe in all of the revenue streams that we've talked about Absolutely. already. Sorry, they do I believe talked about all this stuff yeah, before. They do believe that's where, where it's all heading. Totally. They do want to get there eventually. So, so it, it, you know... From a strategic perspective, this is in line with with where the long term game is. It's just that City don't need to get there at the same in at the same rate as 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 a as a Spurs because they just don't have the same pressures that Spurs have right now. Mm. But once you get to a point where five of them are gone, what a City to do? If we'd have stayed, they can out, come out. If we'd have stayed out, so I, let, just let me just because I think it's important. There's a lot of emotion involved, and, and what I want to try and do is, is cut through some of the emotion. Just look at this stuff practically, right? So let's flip it. Let's say that the announcement is five of the clubs are doing it, and City are out. That they're, they're absolutely not getting involved in this. What would that mean for City? Well, look, we don't know right now. Okay. Right. But I think it's about risk and I think it's about knowing who your friends are and trust. Now, City do not trust, rightly so. They trust neither the clubs that they're in bed with of the 12 mm-hmm. because they've been shown those people are the same clubs that campaigned to to halt City's uh, rise uh, through FFP. OK, so. We're no friends. I mean, we'll, we'll have a working relationship, of course, but we're no friends of those people around that table and we don't trust them, in my view. But we're no friends also of people on the other side of this, the rest of the Premier League clubs. Look at how many wrote as part of that group uh, that, that nonsense letter to Cass. So we don't, have, we, we, we don't have any allies that we can trust absolutely. So therefore, we look at it and we go, well, we can take a risk and we can say, we'll see how it pans out and uh, we're, we're up for it. But, you know, we're not going to we're not going to sort of rock the boat right now. Um, but doing that risks in six months or three months or whenever. A change of heart with United, Liverpool, Spurs, whoever, where they just go, you know what? Actually, we've got to think about it. And, you know, we've got sort of 14. We think 14's fine, you know. But you can give it a go. Try and get in the, the tournament. We don't really need you. And all of a sudden, City have got a problem. And they're not prepared to take that risk. Mm. Because they look at it and go, okay, well, let's say we do it the other. What's the upside of, of doing that? You know, so let's say, let's even say we are allowed in uh, later down the line. What, what's our upside? Nobody's going to believe from a kind of PR perspective that City are the good guys. So it's not a case of, oh, we've got a great opportunity to sports wash, for want of a better term. Nobody's going to believe that. All they get by standing aside when five of them have gone is a whole load of risk. And they're just not prepared to take it. And frankly, as a board, the board has got obligations to its shareholders. Mm. I'm not even sure that, you know, by fiduciary duties... They could stand by and go, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna sort of see how it pans out. 
I think they have an obligation to to sign it, given the circumstances. And so, I don't agree with with the Super League. I don't. Uh, I'm not an apologist for the, what the club have done, but from a commercial perspective, I don't think they have a choice. Um. <laughs> There's so many things I want to ask you, man. Well, let so, me let me tell you where I was going to. I was going to. I was going to go down the line of explaining why this is a real problem, right? And it and it's largely because the game's bust. Okay, now when you say that, be clear. When you say the game is bust, you mean it's bankrupt. There's no there's no money left it, because of COVID. It's in it's in it's in absolutely severe financial crisis. Mm. Right, COVID has obliterated. Look, it started off as being a barely profitable industry, okay? It's been appallingly mismanaged over the years. The players have got too much cash out of the pot. Other people have taken money off the table. It's a mess. So none of the economics have really worked. And then you layer on COVID, where you've got no fans in the ground. Well, that's a big part of the revenue. You've got you've ended up giving some of the money back to the broadcasters. You've got uh, players generally not really taking a haircut in term because of the way that their contracts work. Yeah, politically you're unable to furlough any staff, so you've got every everything going against you from from a um, from a financial perspective. Then you've got situations such as France where they've lost their TV deal. So they're completely shot. You've got two or three of the sides, uh, Leon and somebody else who, who uh, is it Lille maybe, who were in the Champions League one season and weren't in the following season. So their cost base is all set up for Champions League and then they go out. So the French game is completely on its knees. Um, you've got the clubs in the Premier League, effectively all of them are loss making, right? Give or take. All of them are loss-making. Then you've got the top club saying, oh, by the way, we know that there's no, no increase of pie anytime soon, but we want more of it. Mm. Well, how can that work? You know, they're already, these clubs are already on their knees. It can only work by raising new money, but why would anybody give them new money? Because if you're a club who is now outside of the Super League situations, if you let's say you're a... Uh, Newcastle, right? Why would anybody refinance Newcastle now? I mean, the the whole proposition, the investment proposition, has has collapsed. I mean, I you know I was literally out on Saturday talking to somebody about how, in a different world, I think um, Newcastle is bargain of the century as a kind of as a as a business to buy, mm. right? You could pick it up for like 250 million quid. If you get it right with a with a sports team, it can be worth 10x that. And Newcastle is a one club city. You know, it's got all of these yeah. great credentials. You've got you've got an amazing fan base, but of course you've got issues with how fast you go, and you've got you know there'll always be issues with the with the way that the club is run. So there are some problems, but it it made sense. It now no longer makes sense because. If you get a situation where the top clubs, where it's a closed shop, aside, from, I mean, look at the look at what happens now from from a British club perspective. If there's six British clubs out of twenty, 
the chance that they're even going to allow one of the British clubs in for invitation must be zero. I mean, they're not going to have seven or eight British clubs in a 20-team league. Mm. So that's it now for the British clubs, for the Villas, for the Newcastles, for the Leicesters. They're completely screwed. And that's why they're going to have to fight as hard as they can fight. And that's why this is war. Because it's all been gamed out. They must know this. All sides know this. What happens next in terms of, I mean, obviously there are Champions League games that are meant to be played next week or the week after. There are Premier League games that are meant to be played this weekend. Um, Can those games go ahead right now? Uh, Yeah, I think, I think, You've got to remember the flip side of this, and this is the this is the bet I think that the the, the twelve are making. They're so important to their constituent leagues that what are the league's going to do? There is no league without the big six in, mm. in the in, in the Premier League. It it's the EFL. Mm. We know what the EFL uh, uh, TV deals worth. Mm. Nothing, mm. you know, like. A tiny amount. I haven't got the number in front of me, but it's tiny. It's it's irrelevant. Nobody's interested. So they so they've made a bet, the twelve, that for all the protest, there's basically nothing the leagues can do. Okay. All right. I think. So, I, I read somewhere this morning. Maybe maybe it's incorrect that. There's only been one team outside of the top six or the six teams that are going to play in the Super League to have played in the Champions League in the last decade or something like that. It kind of made me... It, it, it made me begin to think about the rea- the realities versus the... The, the narrative or I don't even want to call it the reactions. So you've got the reactions, the instinctive and emotional reactions, then you've got the hard realities of what's actually cracking here. Um, <clears throat> in terms of how this affects, look, we're City fans. So how does this affect us? Let's say it all happens. Well, it means not to put it coldly, but it means that we're going to have less of the group stages of the Champions League and more of a sexy knockout type affair because you're going to be playing the bigger teams more often. Okay, well, you know, is that right in terms of actually this improves anything? Because if you, as I understand, if you look at the, the, the plan, you've got two groups of 10. Mm-hmm. That means that all the games uh, are about finishing, who's going to finish in the top four? So really the only interest is around between 5th and 4th. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where all the focus becomes in December. <clears throat> well, we we've kind of already got that with the occasional December 6th group game being of interest. Beyond that, the, the quarterfinals, the semifinals and the final are already interesting. So you've got no better games there. Mm. So you've basically traded the group stages which are generally poor for a generally poor league where the bigger teams play, but without any of that sort of edge and tension and uh, intensity, you know. So 
the, the Bayern Munich PSG game in the group stages is not the same as the game we saw the other night. No. It's it's just a different... It's, it, it, I just don't think the proposition is interesting. I don't think broadcasters are going to pay any more for it. It's just not about that. It's It's all about preserving the wealth of those clubs, making it easier for them to make a profit. To make a profit... Not for football reasons, but effectively so that the owners can trade on their ownership for multiples of what they invested over time. That's it. And, you know, the reason that none of these none of these guys are on the radio or the TV defending it is because they've got nothing to say. Because that is the truth. Everybody knows it. And it doesn't make good copy. Will this change the way the transfer market works? So what I'm trying to get my head around here, because I'm sure that they've thought of all the different angles, right? But I'm trying to figure it out. So let's say this happens. What happens to, like, if Man City want to buy a player off a club not in the Super League? Is it just going to be like normal, the transfer system with FIFA and UEFA and registering players and all that sort of business? Or is there going to be like a, a momentary freeze as this moves through different legal challenges where those clubs in the Super League have just got to stick to what they've got or trade amongst themselves? I mean, you know, who knows right now? I mean, you know, I think that's probably the level where it's pretty hard to kind of work out mm. how it plays out. I think the, the the probability is that because so many of these teams are so screwed financially, a lot of them have to trade this mm. summer. Going forward, you know, I think it, it changes the market again because you have uh, a lot of money swelling around the big, the very biggest teams. So yeah, they'll, they may or may not trade players between themselves, probably will to an extent at, at very high tickets. But effectively, because you've destroyed the value uh, and the and the financial side of things for the clubs outside of the big, the big 12, 15, 20, whatever you want to call them, uh, prices is deflationary. So prices fall, mm. uh, you know, play wages fall outside the very biggest players. You, you know, it is pretty, you do end up in a very classic kind of, uh, uh, you know, a, a rich between the a divide between the rich and the poor. I mean, you know, this, this just massively entrenches the wealth of, of a few. But I think at the bottom end, it absolutely screws with anybody outside of that group mm. if it goes ahead, which. You know, who knows? How do you, like, philosophically, because I see that from your reaction yesterday, right, that you were like, basically, you were like, I understand. Whether I like it or not is almost not relevant. I understand commercially exactly what these guys are doing, what they're playing at. So philosophically, do you think it happens? If you understand it, it almost suggests that there is enough, commercial sense rooted 
or rooting this proposal that regardless of our reaction and all the emotions involved, in the end, this shit's happening. Well, look, the problem is it's been allowed to happen, right? So we don't have... We don't have any rappers around the UK, Europe, anywhere else. We don't around a kind of there's no there's no equivalent of a grade one listed building around a football club. Mm. Well, they wish there was now. Can they do it retrospectively? I I think I think this is another reason why I don't think this is a bluff because the clubs now know and the owners now know that if they go into the meeting with the leagues and with UEFA and go, actually, you know what, guys? Yeah, let's, we'll park it for now. Let's do a deal. You give us a little bit more money and we'll all sort of keep quiet. They know that if they do that this time, around Europe, UK, whatever, there's going to be legislation to prevent mm. this happening, prevent change of ownership in a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. So they know now that they've probably got only one window to do this. And if you're an American owner, you just don't care. I mean, you know, they can talk all they like about being a custodian. They don't care. Of course they, they don't. They, they, are, they may not even be owning these assets in a year's time. No. It's just not. It's just, a, it's just a historic deal for them that produced a return. It's just, you know, and it was fun while it lasted to an extent. I mean, you know, some of these aren't even fun for them. But at the moment... You know, if you just look at NFL, those are assets where not only has it been fun for the Mark Cubans of this world, for the Cronkies, but they've made a fortune. So they've had like all of the glamour and all of the fame that they wanted from owning the 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 NFL team. And then on top of that, they've made 10 times the money as well. The Glazers are another great example. You know, they've owned it since 95 or something, whatever, um, Tampa, I think it's since 95. Made an absolute fortune on the investment. Won a Super Bowl last year. It's just great fun for them. And they made money. So it's completely free. But, mm. uh, and you know, that's what that's where the, how these guys look at it. They're not looking at it. And they move, you know, Cronky moved the Rams to L.A., they're not even in the same city. They don't care. So can you stop it? I, I, I don't think you can retrospectively lock these clubs into, into a league. I can't see how you can do that. Um, so, but, but I do think that going forward, they will find a way to, as a, uh, as a you know, some kind of important local heritage asset in, in the UK, in Europe, to try and prevent what's happening because that's the end game here. So what about the, uh, cause I know that you've said, you said at the top that the domestic leagues are pretty powerless because of the power that the big clubs have. So let's, for example, look at the premier league, uh, the, what can the Premier League do here, Stefan? Give me a... For everybody that's listening, that is going, you sound like this is a fait accompli. Give me something on the other side that they can try and do to stop this from happening. Mm, uh, well, they'll play hardball to start with, right? So there'll be lots of 
posturing and lots of threats and probably legal action. So that's a start. Uh, you know, I guess they can try and, and ban players. So go from the ground up. Uh, that's probably quite a good route. Uh, you know, because ultimately if you, if the players refuse, well, then the clubs are stuck. Mm. Um, so the players have quite a lot of power, but the players are conflicted as well because as much as they don't want to admit it, this is great for players in the short term, right? I mean, what happens as is all, as always happens is they take their slice. Yeah. So, you know, it's there's going to be a lot of money swilling around in the early stages of this league before what I think inevitably happens, which is that you get huge amount of cost control such that the players ultimately become probable losers overall. Uh, and certainly in the entire game, they become losers because, you know, the, the end game for this has to be that each of those clubs becomes regularly and significantly profitable. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's where they're trying to get to because once you get to that point, every, all the owners are in for free and all that's happening is, is the investment going up a bit or going up a lot? That's where they want to get to. Mm. Right. Cause it's just, it's just a fun free option. So that's where they're trying to get to. Um, so eventually that's what comes. It's just a question of how long it takes to get there. And, look, and to see that that's, that is what they're trying to do, just look at what the NFL is. That's the NFL. I've just described the NFL. Yeah. It's got cost control, collective bargaining, profitable clubs where the value keeps increasing and where it's great for the owners to own. That's it. Mm. That's, that is the NFL. Oh, and, and by the way, it's super successful, Right. So a number of players are very happy, make an absolute fortune, and then a number of players do okay, and then a number of players get chucked out at the end of their contract and never work again. And it's a kind of, you know, a real sort of survival of the fittest. I'm not an expert on NFL, as you can tell, but, you know, broadly, that's that's the reality. Mm. Uh, so I think the players have got a, a bit of power here, but are conflicted. The clubs, uh, the, the, the league's, are in a tricky situation because, you know, there's an inevitability of where it ends up, but but they can play hardball. Will they cancel the fixtures? I mean, they may threaten it. They may You've do. You've seen they the may. Gary Neville clip. Can they do any of that? Can they really, like, you know, bottom of the league, we're stripping you of all your titles, like 50-point deduction, like all of that business. Are these all genuine? I mean, I guess in a way, what, what I keep thinking is, Surely the Premier League make their own rules. So the Premier League can turn around and go, well, if you've done this, we're doing X. Well, I think I, th- I think it's slightly different. I'm pretty sure they could find a route within the rule book to say you've breached the the Premier League code of conduct or the anti-competition. You know, that mm. bottom line is that they are not allowed. I mean, it is in the rule book. They're not allowed to join other competitions aside from you know, a short list. I think it's, I think there's six competitions listed. The Premier League teams are not allowed to join them. So that is in the rule book. So they are in breach of the rules by announcing that they are joining another competition. Um, 
Look, can they deduct them 20 points? Yeah, you know what? They probably can. Probably. But to what end? You know, it's very... It's a very... um, It's a self-sabotage of of the league because nobody wants... Nobody cares. And this will sound terrible. But nobody cares if uh, actually Leicester win the league because the top six have all been thrown to the bottom of the league. I mean, you know... Where's the joy in that? Mm. That's nobody's going to be interested in that, either from a commercial perspective, or or from a fan perspective, even. So that just becomes a kind of uh, you know uh, just a bit of revenge. It's just it's just not it's not going to it's not going to solve the problem. They've got to find a way to solve the problem, and it's not easy. How do how have we ended up here in the sense that like obviously this this stuff has been threatened like we had the thing last year didn't we with the project restart or whatever it was there was there was the leaked document from last year mm. as well right so and then you have like the ECA and you have all of these like UEFA mm. boards and all all of this stuff, right? Yeah. And then I see last week that like, and I'm I'm not saying I'm saying this as a city fan, but I'm also saying this as somebody who reads the newspapers and, and who isn't a moron, right? That they they stick Javier Tebas on the on the European board on the ECA board, and I immediately look at something like that and I go like. Are you f- how does this all work? Well, well look, look, this is how it works, right? So it starts with, and I'm only half joking that it's City's fault, Chelsea's fault. Yeah. It starts with taking away what those clubs at the top table have considered to be their birthright in the modern era. Okay. Okay. So it's saying to United, oh, you know, like this walking to a title at least every every other year well sorry but there's some other shows in town now so that's number one they don't like it it makes things more difficult it hits valuations it turns a business that should be doubling in value every five years to one that's just flat for the last five years Mm. they hate it so they start looking for other ways in which they can fix it the same clubs aid inflation of cost so profits go down well, that's bad as well, because that also hits valuations and that also makes it a less interesting asset for the owners. Mm. Then you've got incompetence at the top. Then you've got UEFA talking big about FFP and failing to control City as they see it. Then you've got very traditional people in offices in Switzerland who don't in terms of how it's perceived, in my view, who don't understand the general direction of travel of sport, personality, digitization, and all of these other changing, changing situations. They don't understand that they can't just do a deal with, with electronic arts for FIFA, where all of the players go on the game with their full likeness and the players get nothing. And the teams get nothing, or very little. Whilst Electronic Arts gets a multi-billion valuation and is making an absolute fortune from selling virtual playing cards. They don't understand 
you know, you've got a situation. There's a business that most of the listeners to this won't even have heard of called So Rare. Okay. Last month, So Rare raised $50 million from the leading venture capitalists uh, in Silicon Valley and, and in Europe. Um, at a valuation, God knows what it must have been. Let's say $750 million. It's a, it's a NFT Ethereum based fantasy football game. Okay. With real players, trading cards, etc. Most people listening to this haven't even heard of it. It's got a valuation bigger than most football teams. And it's a game about European football. Mm. So you basically, know, it, in a way, what you're what you're saying to me is that UEFA, as an as an organisation, is is so out of touch and so far behind in terms of the general direction of travel of, uh, you know, art media, the kind of the collision of art media entertainment, personality and, and, of the yeah, stars, all of that stuff, the kind of collision of all of that, and the monetization, the commercialization, and the hyper commercialization of all of that. UEFA are miles behind on that, and these big clubs are effectively looking at themselves as a. I guess you 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 put something on your Twitter feed yesterday about the growth of football clubs versus the growth of business in general. Is that what that was? Well, that's the S&P. I mean, that's just a simple snapshot. You'll see it today, this afternoon, when the United shares open. They'll mm. probably open, I don't know, let's say 10 to 20% up, Yeah. right? United share price has not moved in five years. The S&P has doubled. So the, the market what's as the, a whole... What's the S&P... It's an index. It's an index of the biggest companies in the US. Right? Okay. It's just it's just to show as a control gotcha. how most you know if you're if you're just going with the benchmark, they should United's value should have doubled just on that basis. Mm. Yet it's stagnant. It's very very unusual for a business that's got you know very exciting content and assets. Unbelievable content. I mean, football is some of the best content you can imagine. Mm. It drives TV channels. It's it's kept TV channels alive. Right. So I've got another question. Um, how does this, like, let's say this happens. This is for argument's sake. Let's say that everything that you've said in terms of the power of the clubs, all of it comes to fruition, right? The Premier League have no choice. They get strong-armed into it. So from what I'm reading, this is going to uh, like highly stimulate revenues for the top six clubs. If they remain in the Premier League, how is the Premier League even a league if there's six clubs whose earnings from this other competition dwarfs all the other clubs? Like, how is there even like a Premier League? You see what I'm driving at? But- yeah, yeah. And look, we've already got that to an extent anyway, okay? So the clubs that have been in the Champions League regularly already have a lot more to play with than the other clubs. And that's why if you were to take, you know, the top the top six wage bill, it, it gives them a huge advantage over all the other clubs. So the chance anyway of a Leicester ever winning the league again was always incredibly slim. What this does, though, is it, I think, permanently 
entrenches the top six. Okay. So, such that the only way the top six don't finish in those top six positions is if they're mismanaged on a season-by-season basis in, in such a catastrophic way. You know, it... It's almost it's almost impossible to see how they can do that, or or I, I guess as an extreme, if for example, uh, one team decides that they're just going to try and make much bigger profits than the rest, so uh, you know, effectively paying more money out to to their uh, owners and their shareholders compared to investing it in the squad, um, but I think it. You know, it entrenches the situation as it is now, um, and makes the league all about the big six. Mm. Mm. But you, you know, most people would say that that's already. what we've got already. I mean, and and you know, I, I think I think that's right. Is there a um, is there a manifest difference between what they'll be taking year on year in this league as opposed to the Champions League? Because that, I guess that that's sort of my, I, I knew in a way that your answer would be, well, you already have that kind of stratification because of the Champions League revenue. But my question is, is, does the, uh, you, does the Super League revenue dwarf the Champions League revenue in such a way that it changes again the stratification? Well, I, first of all, I don't think they really know completely okay. right now. I think you should work on the basis, just as a broad brush, that it doubles a Champions League, you know, inflow mm-hmm. uh, and guarantees it, right? The guarantee is an important part of it. Yeah. Because if you've got a guarantee about it, you can go and refinance it. You can you can bring it forward. You can, you know, it just becomes a completely different proposition. And by the way, it's pretty much pure profit because mm-hmm. it's prize money. So, you know, you're adding like possibly 100 million euros, more maybe, but you're adding probably at least 100 million euros to some team's bottom line of profit. That's a complete game changer. Mm. You know, it's massive, massive difference. And then on top of that, as I've said before, I think you'll start to see wage restraints at the top clubs that make them even more profitable. And so... I just think it's going to be layers and layers of more wealth in the hands of very, very few teams that then go off and play in their NFL, leaving the leagues to be, you know, like the minor leagues. And um, it's a big problem. There's no, you know, I, I don't think there's any way you can argue it's not a big problem. No, no I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel, I'll be honest with you, I've said very little, and you know me, I talk a lot of shit, but I've said very little mainly because I don't really know what to say. I genuinely, like, I'm a, I was a little bit like you yesterday in that it was almost like when you, when, when, as, as the afternoon unfolded, it was like, this doesn't feel like a bluff. This feels like something really real. And it's almost like the, in a completely different way, but it's almost like the city takeover where the news is so undigestible that it's just a bit like, I don't know what I'm getting. I don't know what to say. Like I, I don't right now we're meant to be doing a review of the Chelsea game. I don't even know if city will play a game of football between now and the end of the season. 
Can you guarantee me that City will play football again this season? I, I don't, you know, I, so I, I, all we know, in my view, is that they've not done it lightly, right? Mm. So they have thought about this. They know the gamble they're taking. They're fully aware of, of the resistance. They're fully aware that this is war. What they don't know is how it pans out. Mm-hmm. What they don't know is what the leagues are going to do on a kind of short-term basis. Uh, they don't know what happens to this season's Champions League. They don't know any of it. But then again, on the flip side, they go, well, we're really big. And we're really important. We've got all of the uh, Champions League places, except for PSG, but I think PSG are in this. I just don't think you know about it yet. Yep, I agree. Uh, so we've got all of the places. And we got all the money, and you got all of the TV deals already set up. So what are they going to do? So it's so there's a bit of bluff calling. There's a bit of arrogance in the position. Uh, they don't know for sure, though. Like everybody, nobody really knows. It's a it is a very very aggressive move that's been well thought through, and they're ready for it, and they'll see where it goes. And they think that their downside is pretty limited. So in their worst, worst case scenario, they don't believe they're going to have any destruction of value. And that's why you'll see later, United share price will go up. Juventus already has. Juventus price has shot up. There's there's no fear that this is kind of, there's no real downside for the clubs that Mm. have joined it. No downside, aside from reputational, the, the noise that they're facing. But they're going well, you know. We've, we'll, they'll be fine. That they, they, right now, they think every all, the, all the legacy fans, they'll calm down. They won't be able to resist it. It'll all be fine. Uh, you know, they'll make a lot of fuss. But look what happened with the Premier League. There was a bit of fuss there, and it was all fine a few weeks later. And uh, you know, who knows whether they're right? We'll see whether they're right. I, they may have misjudged it, possibly because. The world has changed very quickly over the last year. Things can change, you know, people. But then again, you know, they'll go, well, we'll just get, we'll just give the tickets away for free for the games. People mm. go if it's free. We, we just, you know, that's their only real risk. They know people watch it on TV. Well, they know people play video fickle. games. Look, football fans are fickle in the end, right? Uh, I remember when COVID hit and the stadiums got shot. Within four weeks, there was like, shut this down. Nobody's going to watch this. Nobody cares. Nobody's interested in football without fans. All that sort of business. And you fast forward six months and everybody's used to it. You know? Yeah, It's just, in the end, I think that my biggest fear is that we're all fickle. And that in the end, this is entertainment for us on some level. And therefore, when... You know, when the big top opens and the circus comes to town again, we'll all be there. And they, like you say, they'll incentivize us because they'll they'll know they'll have to. They'll find a way to incentivize us to try and get us back engaged again. And, and they're look, not that bothered, you know. Unfortunately, it's not it's not just about uh, well, well, it's very little about the fans at the ground. And it's very little about the next two years. It's it's about valuations, 10-year time horizons, the new world. You know, so they won't, a lot of them won't even need to deliver on, the, on their plans. 
they'll just flog it onto somebody else and let them do it. Mm. Um, hey, I'm going to be honest. I've got no fucking appetite to talk about the Chelsea game, but I'm definitely going to try and give it five minutes. Um, do you want to try? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I guess that I'm not going to go through the game because it was what it was, but I'm interested in a couple of things, in, in your opinion, on a couple of things. Firstly, um, is it is it hindsight management to begin to talk about the rotation? Or was it... what? what or was that team too weak? Eight, I think it was six or eight changes from the team that plays at Dortmund. Like, is that too many changes for an FA Cup semi-final? Is he disrespected the cup? Is he like, what, where's the line here in how he's picked that team? Uh, you know, uh, it's a lot of changes, right? Mm. Uh, I just feel like when we're talking about this, it's very hard for us to actually have a meaningful discussion without all of the data and. Why Why does he feel the need to make so many changes? What does he know that we don't about where those players are fitness-wise or mentally? Mm. I just don't know. You know, he knows the importance of the game. He knows that Chelsea can beat us. He knows that Mendy is not good enough. He knows that the three that he played up front played very poorly against Leeds. He knows Cancelo's out of form. So... But he goes ahead and plays it. So I I can only think he wants to win the game, right? I mean, he obviously wants to win the game. Mm. But he concludes that that is, that is what he should do. So, you know, and he's got a lot of goodwill built up over... He's got a lot in the bank. So if he says that's what we need to do, that's what we need to do. Now, I don't really, you know... So I can kind of understand certain aspects to it. Is it is it really eight? Well, I think you can take the goalkeeper out to start with, right? He decides that's not about fitness. That's just what he does, right? He's trying to be fair to the guy. He plays him in the cup games. He makes a terrible mistake. Okay, that's that's one of the changes. I don't understand how he plays Mendy, ever. Mm. Uh, a lot of the other players, though, I think he's a right to expect them to be better. And I think he's a right to think that the team that lined up should have been better. Mm. And, you know, how can you legislate for some of the performances that we've got out of Sterling, uh, you know, Torres, Jesus, Cancella? You know, how can you legislate for that? If you, and what, what do you do intra game when six players underperform? I don't know. I mean, I still think it's crazy he makes two subs, but I just don't know. I don't know what he's seeing that makes him so concerned about just going for it now with... I mean, how many games have we actually got left where we need to play a full team? Yeah. I don't know. Do you think there's an element... Do you think that there was an element of, like... I mean, I kind of thought about it. I kind of thought... I look at it like this, right? So part of me thinks that what ha- what's happened is that that FA Cup game is lost against Leeds because do, do the shadow team beat Leeds the previous week, the league feels a little bit safer. And then post-Dortmund, you can play a strong team again in the Cup 
and then rotate midweek in the league because you don't have that league pressure because you beat Leeds. But you lose to Leeds and suddenly between the FA Cup semi and the league game against Villa, the league game against Villa becomes the priority because in the end, the Premier League is far more important than the uh, than the FA Cup. You see what I'm driving at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe... Look, he must have known, though. He must have known in the team that he picked against Leeds, he must have known there was a serious risk of not winning the game. Mm. And a point would have made no difference, really, would it? I mean, we'd be nine no. points clear. No, no, it's a win. Or, for me, you, 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 you win the game or it's the same thing. Do you know what so, I mean? so he knew that he wasn't definitely going to win the game with that team against Leeds. I mm. think he took a view that he didn't care. And then, I don't know, maybe he had second thoughts at some point. Or mm. maybe... Maybe Dortmund was more intense than he'd imagined, or maybe maybe he's lost his head. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I suspect it's not the latter. Yeah. I suspect he's got a plan, and he's sticking to the plan. And if we lose some games along the way, then that's just tough. Uh, obviously, the plan did not include uh, KDB getting injured, which is, uh, you know, I still can't really believe that that is a serious injury when you watch it I can't see how look I'm not a doctor clearly but it just does not seem to me like that is serious but we'll see I mean uh, he can't legislate for that a lot of a lot of it was based on his feeling so after the game the ankle was swollen and so they can't really know because they can't scan it or do anything to it but the problem was that he was kind of going I know what this is because I've felt this before. And then by the following day, it sounds like it's settled and he's a bit like, oh no, I'm not sure. And then they've done an initial scan and they, cause they were fearful there might have been an issue with the bone. And the initial scan has gone, oh, no issues at all with the bone. Great. So now it's just about waiting and seeing if he sprained the ligament or if that's fine too. And it's just, uh, a bruise then but for me if it's not an impact injury and he's got a massive bruise there then there has to be an underlying injury you see what i'm driving at uh yeah i mean logically that sounds right but you know we've all played we've all played football and you know we know we know what an ankle injury feels like i mean it's not you know we know we saw how the we saw what caused it the incident that caused it i mean you know, we know what our ligament is. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not the most, com- the, the, the point I make is not, it's not the most complicated kind of position to sort of go, well, how, how could that be something serious? I, like, I don't know. We're completely speculating. The manager, you know, he doesn't know that's going to happen. I, I can't, what I can't work out in my head is whether it vindicates playing a weakened team or, or the other way around, you yeah. know? So the fact that KDB gets injured, is that, does that make Pep right? <laughs> or, or, or does it mean you never know? So you just play your best team and see what happens. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it means you have to protect more players because clearly, if we'd have lost two players, it would have been a complete disaster. Mm. You know, Foden goes down or something. I, I, I just don't. I, I, you know, I, maybe it was just they were just the wrong team to try and be clever against Chelsea. You know, they're just too informed. They're too controlled at the moment. Uh, you know, our forwards are just in such poor form. Maybe it just was not, it wasn't the right blend. I don't know. He must have thought about it. He must have gone through. He must have deliberated all of the things that we could deliberate, but he does it with one, the fact that he's Pep, and two, he's got a whole load of extra data that we don't have. 
So I think it is one of these where you just have to trust that he knows what he's doing and it's just collateral damage to four trophies. And it reaffirms that it's almost impossible to do it. That was my next question. Like, people talk about this quadruple thing and, you know, we kind of always get to this point in the season and, and we have a very deep squad. But even with the deep squad that we've had, we've kind of come unstuck again. And you did say yesterday that it looks like or feels like it's impossible. Would you go along with that? That with the way the schedule currently is, there's no way one team can win all four. Well, we got also got no injuries before KDB, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, okay, Sergio. Okay, so you got almost a fully fit squad. You've got a massive squad, and yet, and yet, it's still basically impossible. Mm. Well, mm. Uh, so how? I think you maybe you just need like you just need bags of luck, right? So you just need. You just need luck on top of on top of a massive squad, and and then you can do it just somehow. Yeah, you need uh, but, a competition that isn't a competition, basically. Oh yeah, you need to get very lucky with the draws, right? Like we did when we when we did the treble, we had Burton in the semi, right? Did we? I think in the in the other semi did was that really the treble season? Semi final. I think so, wasn't it? I don't remember. Uh, no, Bristol, Bristol. We had mm. Burton in the quarter or something. Bristol, it was sorry, Bristol, but the same same point, you know. Yeah, like you need, you maybe if you get gimme. maybe if you get super easy draws towards the end, maybe that's the way. Maybe if you have the harder draws up front, so you you know you can handle it a bit bit better with your squad, but then you get very easy draws at the end. Maybe you can do it like that. I don't know. It's you know Chelsea were obviously a terrible draw. <laughs> I mean, okay, they had the midweek game, but it was a bit of a gimme given that they were they were already through. Absolutely. And then and then it becomes pretty much the worst game you can get, I think, right now. The most informed team, super super tight, good pace. It's pretty much the worst game, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. so maybe unlucky, you know. But then, you know, maybe PSG is unlucky as well. But then we'll have our full side out to the extent we can. Was there anybody who caught your eye in a particularly bad way in the FA Cup game? Um, well, yeah, I think Cancelo's form is is really worrying, mm. given how well, given how how he got himself into playing absolutely phenomenally, and then to to drop back to last season's Cancelo is really disheartening. Mm. Um, the goalkeeper, I think, makes a dreadful error. Uh, I don't really understand what he's thinking. Mm. Um, Diaz looked actually did look tired, and you mm. can understand why. But it wasn't disastrous. But he did make one very bad error. I thought Laporte was okay. Mendy just shouldn't be playing for me. I mean, I just would not. I, he cannot be trusted to cross the halfway line because as soon as he does, he can't get back, and even when he gets back, he can't block. So. I would not be playing Mendy. You know, I would be bringing in, if we, that short players, and we've really got no, well, I'm not going to say it, but there must be young players in that squad that, you know, Cole Palmer I keep hearing about as being incredible. You know, let's move players around and play him or play Ake or, I, I just can't play Mendy. I'm sorry. Um, so he was poor. Uh, Fernandinho looked his age, which was always going to happen at some point. I mean, you would not think Wembley was the perfect place for Fernandinho. 
I don't think. Not from the start. No. Uh, I mean, look, Fernandinho and Rodri together was just immediately like, all right. So, you know, that's really a, a selection that is driven by what happened in midweek and who you think is fit enough to play the game. Um, but look at it the other way. Who plays well? Nobody. Nobody. Not one. No. No, Foden maybe when he came on. Yeah, I Phil was the only. But that's the thing. I mean, he like, wasn't he wasn't brilliant because no. it was almost impossible. But no. you know, nobody plays well. Or well, Laporte was okay as well. Okay, mm. well, you know. So, but that's what do you do in that scenario? I don't know. I mean, I didn't think Chelsea were that great. You know, they were okay. They were we very controlled. To them. We didn't do anything to them. I mean, we just no, didn't we didn't, lay, we, didn't like, we didn't do anything in the final third Correct. that could be considered uh, a problem for them. Like it was we just, didn't lay a glove. No, not a glove. Literally, we didn't even throw a punch. You got to throw a punch. No, to lay no, a no. Glove. You're we right. Didn't even you're throw right. A punch, so you're right. You know, it was it was it was just that anemic. Um, hey, are you bothered though? In the end, and obviously this this comes with a lot of fucking caveats, right? But in the end, if we're allowed to continue in this season's Champions League and it actually continues, and we manage to get past. Paris Saint-Germain, and we actually win the Premier League because they allow us to continue. Will you be asked about being beaten by Chelsea in the semi-final of the FA Cup? Um, well, not really, but you know, not really. It just, it just feels like you know when you go out in a semi-final, we've lost like, quite a few semi-finals. Mm. It's not. I don't know. Is it better to lose a? Sem- I think it's worse to lose a semi-final than the final. Is it? I don't know. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't I, know. It's not the same. I, you know what? I'm not that bothered. It's just not the same, right? I mean, this is... Do we really care about this season's FA Cup or this season's Carabao? Not really? really. Not no. really. Not really. I and mean, to be honest, even if I did, uh, what's gone on in the last 24 hours has just made me feel massively apathetic. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah, it's changed it. Yeah. yeah. And th- yeah. Th- that's the the weird thing is, and I I'm, I'm, apologise for going back to the Super League thing, the weird thing is, like... We're we're in the semi final of the Champions League with Guardiola, and it was something that forty eight hours ago meant so much that I was kind of like I'm going to look forward to the next two months or the next four weeks because of this thing. And as it stands, I sit here now and I'm just like, am I bothered? Not really. Like, yeah, no, it's know. definitely tainted. It's definitely tainting the season. Yeah, right now it's tainting the season. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. Hard it's know, really bad and it's really bad because you just don't know you don't we're kind of in the middle of it it's well we are no, not kind of we are in the middle of it you know it's it's bad overall it's it ruins partly ruins the season potentially and then you've got I don't know it's, it's not good it's, it's not good and then and then anyway it's a COVID season so nobody's in the grass it's all odd anyway you know it just maybe it's the thing that has tilted the season into being ruined you know and that's that's bad because mm. if we do do it if we do do it it maybe it is going to be tainted by this now i think so and i, t- I think the other th- the thing is that because it's coming in like you say because it's in a covid season everything feels weird as it is mm. everything feels dystopian even before this and to layer this onto this particular season makes the entirety of the season irrelevant for me. Like there is, 
short of an apology going on the City website tonight, going, you know what, lads, this had nothing to do with us. We're sorry. We're, we we changed our mind. We, ha we are not taking part. We're out. We're not part of the Super League. Short of them doing that, it doesn't matter what happens between now and the end of the season. I know, but you wouldn't like that either. I, I, I don't think. I think City fans think they'd like it, but... Uh, oh no, it's uh, too late now. No, no, but even if they did it, it so let, let's say it's not too late, right? So let's or let's say they'd have, they'd have said that yesterday. I, I honestly think, you yeah, know, people but, disagree with me all day long on this. I'm sure, um, but I honestly think we would not be feeling better about this situation if we weren't in it. I think we'd be feeling actually, you know, overall, I'd kind of like to just make sure that we're on the right side of this just in case mm. it doesn't go the way that it, you know, that it might go. And it's better, I think, as hard as this is for people to kind of comprehend after all we've talked about, I think it is, if, we, if we're being City fans and interested in the club, I think it's better that we're in it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, know, I know that I, that is going to be controversial, but uh, it's not. It's not even controversial, Stefan, because it's like you know, we can't, and it's something that I think that we are we're going to have to come to terms with, right? You can't have enjoyed everything that's gone on in the last decade, and then turn around and go, yeah, but now I'm done with them because it's like they were that we were always part of that in the sense that. We were always trying to get inside the tent. That's what we wanted to do from the beginning. We wanted to be a Champions League club. We wanted to be the best club. We wanted to be the biggest. Like, you see what I'm driving at? That, like, yeah, and we're the only one owned by, you know, partly owned by somebody coming out of Silicon Valley. I mean, this is born in the US, this mm. thing, right? And we are part of it. We might not be exclusively owned by uh, an American owner, but we are part of it. So... Mm. I agree. We 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 have, like almost all these other clubs, done a deal with the devil quite some time ago. And that is part of the modern game, unfortunately, like it or not. Um, so, but, you know, a lot of people still don't like to accept that. So uh, I think it might be a bit um, difficult to cope with. Mm. It's, it's, but it is bad. I mean, you know, it's bad for the game overall. That's... That's the really bad thing because there is a real question mark over the viability of the entire sport. That's mm. that's pretty major. Yeah. Right. Right, Stefan. Listen. Firstly, thank you very much for uh, <clears throat> for for trying to help me unpack that shit because yeah. It was gonna take a conversation like this to uh, to unpack it. Um so yeah, thank you. Cheers. Uh, to everybody who listened, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more podcasts in the next uh, 24, 48 hours as uh, as more news about this Super League comes out. <clears throat> in the meantime, be safe, be well, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens next. <laughs>